0: Hey there, Next Picture Show listeners. As mentioned at the end of last week's episode, our next official pairing has been delayed a week due to a series of complications involving holiday schedules and screening times. Uh, In the meantime, though, we're sharing a bonus episode originally recorded for the Patreon in which Keith, Scott, and Tasha got together to talk through their recollections, fond and otherwise, of VHS and the video store era. Check it out and enjoy the rush of nostalgia or, if you're one of our younger listeners, marvel at the strange tales of box art late fees and auto rewinders if you like what you hear and are not already a patreon supporter consider becoming one over at patreon.com slash show where we release other bonus episodes along with ad-free versions of the main show and then check back next week for part one of our discussion of luca guadagnino's new bones and all and terrence malick's 1973 directorial debut badlands Hello, Next
1: Picture Show Patreon supporters. Uh, you are listening to a bonus episode of this show. We have no fancy name for it, just a bonus episode, a straight up bonus from us. Uh, I'm Keith Phipps. I'm here with Scott Tobias and Tosh Robinson. And we want to wax nostalgic a little bit, but also like think about what it means for the present about video stores and VHS. I can tell you kind of what got my mind going in this direction. One, there's there's a new Netflix show called Blockbuster, which I have not watched yet, but you know it's it is it, it, about a video store, and which is an unusual place to set a uh, uh, show now. But it's one that people our age, and perhaps a little younger, perhaps a little older, it was a very familiar part of our movie-going habits. The other thing was I've been listening to uh, Video Archives, the Quentin Tarantino, Roger Avery podcast, uh, which is named after the video store where they worked, and the premise of that is they watch a movie two movies usually per episode sometimes three actually often three now that i think about it they have to watch it on a video a vhs copy from the store's archives which tarantino purchased uh at when the store went under so they sit around they watch a vhs copy of of, uh of some films they talk about it and what really kind of got me thinking in this direction was this very specific way They get into the details of the VHS boxes and and the distributors and where it came from. So it's like... If they'll talk about where it was in the store, how much they paid for it, but also, like, the size of the box. Like, hearing them describe, like, you know, different size and, and the sort of the branding for, like, Columbia TriStar Home Video uh, from a certain era is like, there's a, a little Proustian reaction to that. It's like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. So, I don't know, I just kind of wanted to just, you know, talk a little bit about the VHS era, the video store era with, with my with my co-host here. Uh, I guess, I let's start with some beginnings. Can you remember what... Your first video store that you uh, patronized uh, was—I,
2: you know, I actually wouldn't be able to tell you. I think it would have to have been a video store in my hometown in Perrysburg, Ohio. Uh, so at some point in the '80s, we did have, you know, a, a VHS. That, uh, I think that far back, I think that far back. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I, you know, I, I don't have super strong memories of 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 uh renting the the one thing i do remember is that is that at some point we did rent uh, wolfen was rented uh, because mm. it was the first r-rated film i ever saw and i and i still remember the the head that gets lopped off and rolls towards the camera and then you get kind of a ch- the chattering teeth effect of the head that, that that i remember very vividly uh but but i don't necessarily remember the store believe it or not what about you all
3: uh, mine was a chain. I'm not sure how expansive it was, like how much it was a, an East Coast thing, because a lot of these I was kind of digging a little bit into uh, the history of video stores and a lot of them were chains. Uh, but then, you know, there were there were your random indies. Video Village uh, was the one that we used to go to. And that was a chain, at least on the East Coast. I just I don't know how extensive it was. And it really wasn't functionally that much different from a blockbuster or when I went off to college, the local chain chain was That's Rentertainment. Uh, and there were a bunch of those in town. You know, it was uh, exactly the same kind of thing. A, a big room that kind of resembled a library with a uh, mostly VHSs rather than, than books at the time, you know, just shelves and shelves and shelves with uh, racks sized for VHS tapes, which often lived in those, like, you know, the the big clam shell cases that kind of mm-hmm. make a loud popping noise when you get them, pull them open, and then a loud popping noise when you push them closed. So, uh, yeah, I just, I remember as a kid, like, wandering through the racks at Video Village, where we would go as a family, but you know, ultimately, our parents—usually our dad. Our dad was the one, the one that took us. You know, he would go off and figure out where we were going to watch, and uh, we would just be kind of allowed to like wander free and look at things. So I often found myself kind of you know sneaking over to the like the cult section. I was I was still really into animation. But, you know, if you go into the cult section, you get to see things like wizards and the Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind butcher job, um, warriors <laughs> of the wind. You know, these things had these covers that suggested like, oh, hey, uh, heavy metal was probably there too. Adults watch animation too, and it's probably more exciting and adventurous than the stuff that you're watching. And then I would also go into the horror section and, you know, look at all the lurid horror movie covers, which were, you know, very exciting to somebody who had literally never seen a horror movie. Hmm. You know, it's, it's pretty typical these days, I think, for... Kids to like get exposed to horror movies like pretty young if their parents watch them at home. But I remember that to this day, the first time I watched a horror movie and it was Gremlins in the theater, and I did not register at all that it was comedic um, <laughs> because because there were there were a handful of very scary bits. You know the the yeah. bit in the lab uh, where the the gremlin gets loose. So the the video store, the horror section, of the video store was just like this. You know. Palace of Forbidden Delights that I didn't get to experience yet. Like like looking at the cover art for Alien and wondering what that movie could possibly be like it was kind of a little adventure in its own right.
1: Yeah, mine was, and, and looking back, I, I realized I was quite lucky, was an indie store- Opened in the early eighties. first place I had a membership, it was called David G's in Inglewood. <laughs> and they had it was just a big nondescript room, but they had a lot of movies and they had like copies of Premiere and Leonard Malton guides out on a table. And they had uh eventually, uh, when they expanded, they had a a cave of horror, which is like this paper mache cave that you had to go in to look at horror movies, which was uh, wonderful, and uh, they had a cult section, and I think that was that in itself was was a fairly influential thing. And it, it, you know, I, I could kind of work my way through that. Let's 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 check out this weird stuff or this stuff I'd only read about in books. And and uh, um, you know, it was I had my own card. I could I could rent what I wanted up to a point. I think the first thing I rented was the original Frankenstein, which was one of those movies I'd never seen, but I'd only only read about. In books, and I miss those kind of places. I also miss, you know, the effect. That, I mean, I know there are digital age equivalents, but the idea that a store would open up in your hometown and suddenly all you could have access to all these these weird movies, or, or like, you know, John Waters films could could you know make it to the suburbs of Dayton, Ohio, where I was growing up. I mean, these things were hugely influential to me, and it was just kind of there behind a the storefront. And uh, I don't know, I I I do miss that. I, I do. Wonder like you know if the if if the streaming era has the same kind of like accidental discovery. I know it does not have box art, which you know I, I'm a I don't want to just be a physical media curmudgeon, but I don't think there was anything that was really improved upon in the DVD or Blu-ray era and certainly not the stream era than, than the VHS boxes, which was just uh, a wonderful, like little potentially lurid, uh, sometimes beautiful way to package a, a film. And just the variable boxes we've been talking about. The, there was the, you know, the, the uh, clamshell that you talked about with like slightly puffy qualities. that kind of came became, became like the default for children's films, but also before the box became kind of standardized, you could find like some early eighties stuff that was like different sizes that would kind of stand on the shelves. Like there was a, there's an appeal to that and I also think there's an appeal to the copy on the back like that would sell you the movie that ha- in a way that that uh wasn't just sort of a dry you know the dry descriptions that you get when you're when you're browsing on streaming services I, maybe I'm just you know again nostalgia might be overwhelming here but but am, am I wrong here
3: I mean we're definitely all looking back to a, an era that was formative for us as you know right. film lovers so of course we're gonna have uh, an affection for it I I mean, I will say I certainly enjoyed the experience of looking at at VHS box art, um, which often it seemed like more talent and thought and effort went into painting that art than uh, into making the movies. (laughs) And... You know, finding out the difference between what the box promised and what the movie was, uh, was often a, a kind of entertaining surprise. But when we we're talking about kind of our our video store memories, the first thing I brought up was, as I say, my dad usually picked the movies, and he brought home this movie called uh, The Perils of Gwendolyn in the Land of the Yik Yak. <laughs> I went and looked Sorry. up the, the box... <laughs> <laughs> starring starring Tawny Catane. Mm-hmm. I went up and looked the uh looked up the original VHS box art for it, and it's unquestionably a pastiche of the Raiders of the Lost Ark, like the famous poster, like visually, stylistically, just in terms of like the the light and the the font and the art. It's meant to evoke exactly that sort of thing. And I'm pretty sure that he rented it thinking that he was going to, you know, get some some Raiders of the Lost Ark-like movie. And instead, it's a uh, softcore French import with a ton of naked boobs, a lot of women running around in uh, like sci-fi Amazon underwear made out of vinyl or plastic or something like that with their entire asses hanging out. And the climax of the film, her, 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 is uh, the heroine being given the right to have public sex in front of the queen uh, with the the male intrigue. So, so
2: wait, wait, wait. So, so the, you watch the whole thing. <laughs> it wasn't a thing where it's like it wasn't a thing where was like wait a minute this is mm-hmm. not appropriate we can't watch this it's like no we've already paid we already paid our rental we're gonna watch we're gonna watch this thing start to finish I don't
3: know if my father was like so mesmerized by it or so embarrassed by it or you know if if we went home and watched it uh, before he got to it while he was off you know at work or doing dinner or something I don't have I that it. kind of burning memory that you have of adolescent humiliation of watching <laughs> sex in front of your your families in a movie for the first time but I do remember Watching it and thinking, I am not supposed
1: to be seeing
0: this.
1: (laughs) I'm looking now, and like the VHS art that you're referring to is very not provocative. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) not in the slightest. Yeah, but there's. I'm looking at another poster of, of, of a film. I'm not sure where it was released. It was just called Gwendolyn. It is two women in chains uh, not wearing a lot of clothing. So I think that perhaps that might be a more accurate representation of the contents.
2: Continuing to watch it reminds me quite a bit of of the the time that my grandmother, who was a very whose favorite movie was Sister Act, was a very strict Catholic. Uh, someone thought that she, she and her best friend should go and, and see uh there's something about mary <laughs> and she <laughs> and, and, and she was so mortified by it that she they actually did not leave the, they stayed the whole way because they didn't want to be seen leave the theater which they'd have to leave the theater eventually but that was their thinking so they kind of stayed it out through the whole thing so maybe that's maybe that's the psychology there it's like you're just you're in it you know it'd be too conspicuous to stop <laughs>
3: Well, Keith, one of the things you didn't mention about the the backs of those VHS boxes is that they would very often have actual still photos from the film itself. So you would have that, you know, fantastic cover art. The cover art for the horror movie Prophecy comes to mind as like mm. the poster haunted me. It's, it's just a terrifying poster. And then you get that box and you flip it over and there are photos of, you know, a big wet plastic uh, monster.
1: It's just a, a very fake-looking mutant bear. That's <laughs> a movie. Are, are we talking about the same one? Or are we talking no, about no? We're the we're, t- we're absolutely, absolutely talking about the same right, one. Exactly, the but that was
3: also yeah. part of the uh, you know, part of the the little adventure when you're young is like you look at the front art and you're like, all right, what 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 secrets does this hide? And then you flip the box over and like look at these teeny tiny little pictures that tell you a little bit more about what the film actually looks like. And I would not be surprised if with uh, Tonicatane and uh her her yik yaks my father like flipped it over and seen some uh you know not naked women but women in provocative costumes and maybe uh, some description of like of sci-fi adventure uh, of naughty proportions and you know thought that he was maybe going to slip in a little fun that we wouldn't understand and, and didn't realize it was just going to be naked boobs from here here till Tuesday.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, how can you resist this? So uh, John, director John Franken, oh, sorry, veteran suspense director John Frankenheimer <laughs> manages to present prophecy, all caps, as a mon- quote unquote monster movie, as well as a suspenseful tale about the deadly forces which result from the pollution of our environment. I mean, you know, sold. I'm there. Oh, wait, let me look at these pictures. No, it looks like a, looks like a big wet bear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do yeah. I have you
3: remember any experiences like that where you know what what was on the box was not what was in the box effectively in a movie
1: there's a wonderful book called uh came out a few years ago called called portable grindhouse the lost art of the vhs box and it is mm. filled with like these wonderful it's, it's almost entirely horror and exploitation films and they certainly are are promising more than than these movies really Maybe more than any movie could could deliver, uh, which is you know it's kind of the equivalent of you know from the same era like these these amazing artwork you'd find on on Atari cartridges, and then you'd play the game and it would just be a few little blocks going back and forth. Um, but were you, you ever know, that
2: disappointed because it's like you knew what the limits no. of the of the oh, graphics sure. are going to be? Yeah, you know you You're, knew you were not going to get some incredible incredibly detailed. You know, you when know. say
1: with movies, like you, you know, it's you're you're in the hands of a hawk star, I think. If you're, unless you're this is your first movie, you've I think ever read, though, right? <laughs> but, I, mean, I, think
2: it de- I mean, you don't necessarily, depending on who you are, you may not be aware of how much of a budget might have gone into something or how big a production something is, or you could sure. be legitimately fooled. I mean, if you've got, you know, Raiders of the Lost Arky looking box art. You may be thinking, hey, this is you know, this may not be where is the lost ark, but this is kind of going to be along the same lines. it will be a lot of fun. Let's yep. take it home and I'll show, show it to my uh, to my kid. <laughs> there are
3: levels, you know, because uh, you look at the prophecy bo- box art and you think it's not going to look exactly like this because the prophecy box art is very obviously drawn, like it's it's a painting. So, you know, but horror movies of the time could be Poltergeist, which like has a a very distinctive and definitive and and striking look and quality. And then there's John, John Frankenheimer's uh, wet mutant bear. So, yeah, I I think you're in the hands of a huckster is exactly the right description. But, uh, you know, sometimes the huckster sells you a pig in a poke and sometimes he sells you a kick in the ass. One
2: thing I would say, though, i mean this is just to, to get, get to the appeal of video stores and browsing video stores it's just it's just that having that ability to step back and kind of get a larger sense of things it's a different kind of browsing mm-hmm. and that's true of that's true of any kind of online retail experience you don't know you know if you if you go to the gap.com or something it's not the same as walking into a gap you're not like getting a sense of like what what everything looks like before you zero in on what it is that you want And you're certainly, I mean, uh, streaming services, you're getting you know the weirdest videos each one is the weirdest video store ever devised because you because it's got it's got so many weird gaps you know it's got yeah here, here's that, a video store
1: dedicated entirely to the paramount catalog
2: yeah right <laughs> and, and like and like right and, and you can't and if you're interested in one thing then you want to see a bunch of films if you like scorsese you want to see a bunch of scorsese films it's like well we've got three <laughs> um uh, three random ones so so to kind of be able to step back and, and get a sense of it i mean and obviously not not every video store was created equal you had ones that that had very limited stocks and you had ones that served you know niche audiences uh, uh which are always over the ones i i loved and the one i eventually you know sort of worked for but but it did, no matter what what the case was you could you could at least get a feel for what was out there and then you can kind of go from there and everything did take on kind of an exotic life of its own i mean i, I you know i remember when, when i was really starting to get into the movies. While I was working at a movie theater, you know, the, the only real game in town for us, video store wise, was a Blockbuster. And, you know, the horror section was, you know, I was certainly drawn to that. And those are, there are a lot of big boxes there too. And then I was also drawn to, because I was a teenage boy, you know, Blockbuster would not carry NC-17 rated movies, but they would, they did have a 18 plus, or they had some kind of a section that was basically for unrated Movies and so you couldn't see Henry and June, but you could see like nude aerobics or something. it's <laughs> it's it, it, it 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 how I saw. That's how I saw the ed wood film uh, orgy of the dead because uh, it was in that section <laughs> uh, uh that was quite an innervating experience even for somebody who didn't who was just, he, who was who would have been theoretically up for watching uh wo- <laughs> one woman woman after another uh un- undress and dance weirdly before a, a campfire but uh anyway uh but it is an experience i mean you just to kind of go in and, and and get a just a, a tactile sense of things
3: yeah, I actually saw Orgy of the Dead through my local video store, too, when I was working on a, a story about Ed Wood and and just watching all of the movies of his that were <laughs> available on VHS at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that movie's not good in no. any way. I would no. I would say it's not even really a movie. <laughs> but one of the things about video stores that was interesting is, like, Blockbuster would kind of push the the new releases because they cost an extra buck to rent. But apart from that you know, that that triage that here are the premium rentals, everything in the video store was kind of equal you know n- like netflix or or whoever is going to continually push certain titles at you that they produced you know they they want you to watch stranger things or they they want you to watch bright because they dumped a ton of money into it and nobody wanted uh-huh. to watch it but the video store was kind of egalitarian like they they authentically didn't have any financial incentive to sell you on romancing the stone over orgy of the dead. They they were all just you know it's your your one ninety nine or your two ninety nine or like whatever you're paying or whatever your your coupon says. It's all exactly the same product as far as the the video store was concerned. So. <laughs> know whether you're watching nude aerobics or 400 blows is kind of all the same to them and that's not something you can say for any of the uh streaming services because either they've got a theme like shutter or, or they've got you know an ethos like criterion or they've got just you need to watch stuff from our company i think maybe one of the joys of the video store was just it's just all there mixed up together
1: Yep, here it is. Yeah, Wand, wander in. You're you're wandering around a bunch of movies. It's it's uh yeah, it, it was it was an effective uh, device.
2: Yeah, I mean th- you know, the organization was designed, I think, to kind of lead you. I mean, they would have, you know, you uh, you know, uh, blockbuster had kind of that outer wall that was all new releases, and it would have, you know, and and and, and large titles would have multiple copies on the on the shelves, and I think you could you could kind of utilize it that way and just kind of. Ignore the rest of the store. So in that sense, you know, and then, and then pricing got a little bit, would get a little bit funky too. You'd pay, you'd pay more for a, a shorter rental period for new stuff. And then catalog th- stuff, you would pay less for a longer rental period. That was pretty common too.
3: But I mean, the counter to that, you know, all all films are equal in this store concept is the like the curational uh quality of the video store, which I think when people are waxing nostalgic about video stores, that's what they talk about more than anything else, is the ability to go in and like talk to the people there yes. and, and get a recommendation. Like I, I always just come back to Terry Gilliams Fisher King and the video store, and that, and how people uh, like Kathy Najibi can walk in and say, I, I'm looking for this precise type of movie. What do you have for me? How much did you guys get into the curatorial aspect when you were working at your, your respective video
1: stores? Oh, yeah, I should say it. Scott and I are both video store employee veterans um, mm. in the sense that, well, I mean, I worked at a pretty, at four-star video heaven in Madison, Wisconsin for a year. And it was kind of the, it was immediately after grad school, I did what you do, which is start working at a video store. But uh, <laughs> that master's degree in English to work. Uh, it was kind of the, the the you know, the film school I never really had. I just take home a bunch of in two, in two movies a night. Sometimes I watch both of them, sometimes just one. But it was like, you know, where I was before, I didn't really have a lot of Hal Hartley, access to Hal Hartley movies or Jim Jarmusch movies. And suddenly, I this being a very good video store, I had access to all of them. And it was, you know, a pretty wonderful experience. So in terms of like curating it myself, that really wasn't my department. I, I did develop a few thoughts. You know, essentially, I feel like the fewer Genre categories you have, the better. If only because you'll have to ask fewer questions, answer fewer questions behind the counter as to you know where to find Basic Instinct. uh If if you don't have like a an erotic thriller section, versus putting it under mystery or whatever, wherever you would put Basic Instinct.
2: Yeah, I mean, my my experience was pretty wild. I so I i worked at a store called uh, Video Library. In Athens, Georgia, um, this was also the same period as Keith after graduating, you know, I, was in, I, had, a, I had a bit of a towny period before, before graduate school. And it was the best video store in Athens by far, but it was kind of on the edge of town. And it was distinguished by a very large cult film section, you know, we had all the Something Weird movies, we had all these Hong Kong movies, actually th- those were starting to come in bunches, the Hong Kong action thrillers. We had this huge foreign film uh, section behind the counter. And we and we had laserdiscs, but what we also had was was pornography, tons of it, like just uh, like thousands and thousands of porn films and laserdiscs. And you 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 were not supposed to have that stuff. That was not actually something that we were, uh, I guess, legally allowed to have. Uh, But everyone, but it was tolerated because what. We would do, or what? What I wouldn't do, what, what the manager would do, would, would would he would take the boxes, which were large. These were large boxes that they that would come in. And he would then he would cut the pictures out and put them onto uh, little piece, little note cards, and then write on the note cards the name of the, the of the movie, the actors in it, and what what kind of stuff you can expect. <laughs> and then he'd file them. And so people would come in and and look through the files, and we would rent those things at five dollars a piece which was which was over double what we were renting anything else and uh, i did not
3: know there was an analog version of mr skin before mr skin came along
2: yeah it was yeah it was him it was this guy he he had horrible penmanship and he had a glue stick and a pair of (laughs) scissors and a pair of scissors and that's how that's how the system worked and we didn't have a computer we were using it everything was pen and paper everything was cash you know, I mean, I, I, it's crazy just to think about what it was like, but that led to a lot of interesting curation situations for me <laughs> behind the counter because uh, because all of that money that we were earning on porn rentals was going back into the store for all of this art shit that we were getting. I mean, like, and in, in, in in the, so the manager would give me catalogs and be like you know, what should we get? And I'd be like, well, we should get that Mizuguchi film and we should get that Ozu film and we should get, you know, uh, all of this stuff to put, to stock up these, these sections. And so there was that. And we'd have people coming in lo- looking for those types of types of films. And then we'd also have uh, these guys, you, you know, we, these regulars who would come in, oftentimes like right when the store <laughs> opened to just, come, you know, get stacks of porn tapes to bring home and come back later in the afternoon because they had obviously dubbed them, um, mm, at home sure. and, uh, and, and I'd have to know, you know, I mean, I got to know, you know, different, all the different sort of strata of the, of the business, like who, the who the major stars were, like what, you know, what specific things people, it was just, it's, it was an insane time, but that was video library <laughs> beloved. It was a very beloved store. It was a, and it was a great store, but it was just, it was a uh, quirky, and, uh, to work there for sure.
1: You, know, you like you like know, the passages of shakespeare you memorize just they had to go out the window to understand so so you could like you know better better convey what's on these porn tapes right scott something like that yeah all right sorry sorry Tasha. go ahead
3: maybe this is a naive question but if it was a cash only no computer business what incentive was there to keep people from just walking off with the the tapes and not coming back
2: Oh, they, they couldn't rent from us again. I mean, we were we were keeping track of who was renting stuff. So, they, I mean, it's not like the same person could come back. They had these. We had a membership. You had to be a member to rent. I mean, if you wanted to do that, I suppose that would be a you know you could do that, but you could do it once. You know, uh, you could just steal our stuff, just like any other video store. You could you could rent something from a video store and never bring it back. Uh, you just would never rent from that video store again.
3: I guess that makes sense. I just. Uh, you know, I'm I'm picturing, uh, you know, if somebody comes back to a blockbuster video with a uh, Star Wars like a month late. They've got a month of uh, accumulated fines. But you know, if you come back to to your place with. Uh, you know, the Anal Invader 27, your favorite <laughs> porn film, which you didn't uh-huh. dub at home because you don't have uh, that technology and yeah. you've just been keeping it. Like, how would you would you would oh, you charge we, people we, late? Feeds? Oh, no. We,
2: oh, yeah. 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 No, no. So so it was pen and paper. So we we you know, we would uh, write out the uh, the you know, write out the name, the name number it, you know their name and number and address, or whatever that whatever information they had, what they rented, how much they rented it for, when they rent, what it was due, and then we'd file it away. So it was all it, you know, they'd get a copy, we'd get a copy, etc. So it was just it was just it was annoying because it was so so <laughs> slow, but we had a record of when everything came in and we charged late fees like any other thing. It was just it was just a cash operation. And, and in retrospect, it was like I remember payday was like you wouldn't get like a normal check, like you'd get a check. But then you just basically at the end of the night you'd sign it and then they go to the back and just give you the cash, which you know I don't know if that, <laughs> I don't know how on the level that was. But are you uh, sure
3: you didn't work in a porn warehouse and they told you what it was I a video did. store? It was
2: it was a it was a crazy time. And if you if you want to read more about it, I did, I did write about there was a piece on the. On that that is still free for for anyone on on, our, on our newsletter that, that I wrote called uh, Tomb of the Unknown Video Store. That's kind of about my time there, but uh, it was it was it was great. I mean, people who knew that store, they loved it. I mean, it was a it was a wonderful wonderful place.
3: Do either of you have any like really memorable standout customer stories?
1: Oh gosh, I think I tried to block out as much customer <laughs> interaction as possible. You know, I, there really there were some really nice ones, and there was. I don't know one guy who would stroll up every day with a coffee and say, could you throw this away for me? And to the point where I just started greeting him at the door with a, with a garbage can, uh, <laughs> not, not at all passive aggressive. Great for cu- great customer service. That's, that's, that's how I looked at that.
2: I was terrible at customer service. I was like, yeah, I mean, there were my people, you know, people would come in like, you know, and rent the kind of stuff that I, that, that I, I liked and was into, but like, you know, a lot of porn people, it's just like, just generally, I was I'm not a people person, really, you know, not a customer service type of guy. And it was just when when it was an empty store and somebody entered, it was like they had to have felt just like the glare from me, just like, "Why are you here? Get out of my store!" <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's be- better for me to just sit here and listen to Buzzcocks music, and you know, and or watch a watch a laserdisc than to have to interact with you in any way.
3: Yeah, you guys are re- definitely reminding me of High Fidelity here.
2: Yeah, no, I was I was personable, but but not not snooty.
1: I was happy to recommend stuff. I, I did enjoy that as long yeah. as I was like you know, but but I also kind of baffled by like, you know, what's a good foreign film? <laughs> <laughs> Questions like that. Uh, I I do remember. I mean, it was in Madison, Wisconsin, and it was there was certainly a heavy. Stoner contingent. So you can kind of watch films go in and out of Vogue. I remember City of Lost Children was just a very, very popular rent there for, for a while for, for a, certain, a certain crowd. Yeah. I have a
3: friend who used to work at a, uh, a video store in Chicago not too long before video stores just kind of faded out who reported a customer coming in uh, fairly wroth with a copy of Lars von Trier's Dogville. Which, if you may remember, is a very stylized film where every, where the entire set is just a giant open warehouse, where the yeah. buildings are delineated on the ground in, in chalk. It's all very stagey and conceptual. And a customer complained that the DVD was broken because the sets weren't showing up. And wanted a, a new, a second uh, new copy of Dogville, one where the sets worked.
1: Uh-huh. And, and was this possible?
3: Uh as it turned out it was uh it was not an available technology but I I believe my friend uh in the spirit of this same kind of customer service you're talking about uh convinced them to like go home and and fiddle with the knobs on their TV because it was probably a TV setting that were keeping was keeping the sets from showing no, up. You
2: just you just have to explain to the customer that it's a Brechtian conceit and then that then it, then then that'll be like ah I see I get it now.
1: Oh Right, of course. Yes, I concede. get it. Yes. It's all coming together for me now. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong to make association, but for me, it was always, when I think video stores, I always think VHS. Um, mm. I was never, you know, I certainly rented my share of DVDs, but it almost kind of felt like a different era for, for the video store. Uh, and that's probably very tied, to, very specifically to, to my age. I think the one thing I don't, I, the, I, the thing I'm not nostalgic for all uh, is the picture quality of VHS. <laughs> yes. Oh you my know. Gosh. Yeah. Like, can
2: we can we stop with that nostalgia? Like, I don't. I I mean, I get it. I mean, I, I get it. But like, you know, and I and I'm fully on board with like LPs. You know, because I, I think I think they do have. They sound. They still sound great. They're great. But like, I'm. That's one part of the VHS era. I'm happy to leave behind. Like the images I'm getting now from streaming, from Blu-rays, from DVDs, whatever. They're so they're they're, They look great. (laughs) Yeah, I would be I would have loved to have seen so many movies that way in the VHS era. I don't want to wax nostalgic too much about the look of VHS. It is you saw everything was in the wrong aspect ratio. The resolution was crap. I mean, it was just a it was an early technology that we that was improved upon.
3: And you had to fiddle around with the knobs, or you might get uh, just like black borders on the side. The whole I had a a really good I had a good auto
2: tracker though. My my last VHS player, man do you Good remember stuff.
3: when uh they they started introducing rewinders so you didn't have to <laughs> like s- basically put wear and tear on your vhs uh, unit by rewinding the video when you're done you could just stick it into the rewinder and yeah. it, it seemed like the most exciting peripheral like the single service uh single purpose piece of electronics that's Basically just a spinning
1: head. Oh yeah, some of them I, I remember remember there's some that like had like, like shaped like race cars to make them we fun. We had one that we had one yeah. that was not only oh. shaped
3: like a race car, it had little headlights on the front. And How when you, you'd slide the VHS into it and then pop it down and like while the tape was in and it was
1: rewinding, the headlights would light up. It's not even a matter of being kind to rewind, it's been, have fun <laughs> while you rewind, you know? It just it's just yeah. like, what a terrific a terrific adding. Heathens uh,
2: though that weren't weren't rewinding their videotapes. Absolutely. Absolute monsters.
1: Well, yeah, you know what? Was it that big a deal? I mean, I always rewound it. It was mine. a big deal. It for took forever. Mine, but I guess. Well, no, that's so. why you have and your uh, you, in-store you, rewinding. You, you get annoyed
2: when you worked at a video store and people returned yeah. return tapes to you that were not rewound?
1: We might have charged a fee. I can't remember. There might have oh, been my like goodness. A, no, I guess
2: not. I feel like Blockbuster did uh, charge a fee, didn't they? Yeah, I think so. Maybe. Maybe.
3: Yeah, you know, the other thing about I don't miss about VHS quality, particularly VHS quality when it comes to rental stores, is finding the point on the VHS that uh, people have rewound over a thousand times. So you're mm. watching Fast Times at Ridgemont High and suddenly Phoebe Cates is getting out of the pool topless and then it's just <laughs> static because people have rewound and rewatched that uh, segment so many times that they've mm-hmm. worn the magnetism off the tape. Yes. And... It's like I don't know if you've ever had the experience of uh, getting a book, borrowing a book from a friend, or uh, getting a book from the library, and you open up and it just falls open to the sex scene because the <laughs> the spine is broken there. But uh-huh. that's what it was like with with VHS tapes. Oh, you totally, could definitely yeah. tell the the places that people had gone back and forth and back and, and forth. Ever.
2: Yeah, like that, that was that. Got kind of a boob shot in Sixteen Candles was kind of the classic example of that. It was just. You know the of the tape just getting super snowy around that area. <laughs> <sighs> you know, and, and I and I think yeah, this way you could, you could see see them without like the boing sound effect that <laughs> that that, that uh, the great tour john hughes put uh, over the uh, on the soundtrack.
1: Uh, PG oh. nudity. What what a, what a time was yeah, it? What, what, ta- what, what a time to time, be alive. What
2: a time. Yes, what a time to be alive.
1: So I guess we should maybe talk a little bit about the different eras. Uh, I to me the golden age for. In my experience, was the earlier years of the of the video store when it was dominated by a lot of independent and locally owned stores before you know the blockbusters came in. Like I remember talking, I, I, I tracked down David G, the owner of David G's Video, on, on Facebook, and and uh, and a nice. Thing, you know, thank you note for, for having such a cool store. Uh, and elsewhere on, on his page, he mentioned how he got out of the business because he could see which way the wind was blowing, which was that a Blockbuster moved in across the street. So he sold out to Premiere Video, which was another, you know, sizable chain, at least where, where I lived. But uh, it, it lacked the personal touch uh, of of the independent video stores. Although I think at least, you know, those survived longer, like independent record stores, they, they lasted, Longer than you might think. Unlike independent record stores, you can't really find them <laughs> any, anymore. But uh, but it, it was it was kind of a, a neat thing where each sto- each town would have its own like little video store, you know, done up in the style of whoever owned it.
3: Yeah, when I was in college, the the one in that vein was called Tofu Hut, and uh, huh. it it was run by this guy who was just a, a big cinephile, and it was where I first encountered uh, anime on on VHS, later on, on DVD. It was the era of streamlined video when companies were first starting to import anime. And my experience with anime had basically been, you know, stuff like Voltron and uh, Star Blazers, very, very badly dubbed, heavily cut up, and screening at like five in the morning on Saturday morning cartoons. And suddenly you could get like an entire series, very badly dubbed uh, often, but like you know, watch it uh, more or less at your leisure at home. Uh, as it was coming out, and I, I actually had a column in the student newspaper where I just reviewed whatever anime tofu hut got in.
0: <laughs> but you often
3: saw that kind of thing with those little video stores, like especially the really small ones. They would have the stamp of of the owner's personality and and their own specific traits, and like if they were really into like Japanese drama or uh, anime or uh, you know, Spanish or Mexican imports or a specific type of horror or cult film, like whatever, you would see them basically using the store to kind of subsidize being able to buy those those tapes and share them with other people effectively for money. But, you know, it's just a kind of way instead of sitting at home and and paying at that point, like, what, 50 or 60 bucks if you wanted to, like, buy a a, a VHS movie. Kind of the equivalent of what they're trying to do today with, uh, well, what they try to do for a very brief time with like prestige movie rentals. The idea that you'd, you'd pay to see Tower Heist, you'd pay $60 to rent Tower Heist while it was still in theaters. It, it was just a much more workable model if you were running a video store and you could buy that movie that you'd always wanted to see and then rent it out to other people.
1: I should point out, by the way, just before I forget about it, is that Four Star Video, uh, now's Four Star Video Cooperative, is is still open in Madison, Wisconsin. Oh, I, wow. I visited it fairly recently. It's, it's looking good. It's still a great selection of films. If you're in Wisconsin or in Madison, Wisconsin, you want to run a movie, it's a great place. Different location, um, though.
2: Video library is closed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm afraid, but.
3: Yeah, tofu had
1: apparently long gone. When, when we moved, it's kind of a good news, bad news situation to buy our new house. We we now I live within walking distance, easy walking distance of uh, one of the few video stores still open in Chicago. Uh, the bad news is it's, it's not not that kind of video store. Uh, they 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 uh, they have quote unquote romantic DVDs. Uh, yes. oh, um, <laughs> that's sweet. One thing too about the, with
2: regard to the independent video stores is that if you have a memory of them, then I think the nostalgia that you see. Uh, connected to blockbuster in particular, feels a little misplaced. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost it's almost it's, it's the same thing with with kind of Barnes and Nobles and Borders and their 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 heyday. It was like we tend to look at those places still with affection, and of course, I'm very grateful for the Barnes and Noble that I ha- that still exists not that far from me here in Chicago. But but um, you know, if you remember what they replaced, then maybe you feel a little less great about it. And the one thing, one of the things that I One of one of the kind of the subtext, I guess, of maybe it was a little bit of the text, but uh, of the piece that I wrote about Video Library for the reveal is like what it was it like to work at a place that was loved, that was that was independent, that was sensibility driven, and that people loved because because the impact that it had on me as you know going forward because I I know, know the the three of us have certainly been involved in publications where, that that were sensibility driven that that and that people loved and what a difference that kind of makes to to you as a person working for that place and then also to people who who are visit that place uh, whether they're renting videos or, or reading articles it just it matters you know <laughs> and, I, and I think that that when when the landscape becomes totally dominated by chains by large entities uh buy things that are not so not so niche driven you you kind of lose touch with that 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 feeling of just like oh this is this is really this is you, you could see the that fingerprints behind this whole operation like this is this is something kind of special and unique about this place
3: yeah the difference between uh you know an uh, anonymous the the latest and local uh iteration of your identical franchise and you know, a, a mom and pop shop that is is built around an idea. Yeah, you've got me missing Tofu Hut now.
1: <laughs> and, you yeah. know, just
3: being able to walk in and and have a conversation with uh, the, the guy who ran the place about what you'd watched and how you felt about it. And the likelihood was uh, if it was there, he'd probably already watched it and like had some thoughts about it.
1: Uh, you'll be happy to know there is a, still a Tofu Hut tasha but it's a seems to be a korean restaurant in las vegas so yeah not.
3: I, I, I did a little googling before this because i was sort of curious whether it was still around you know as a dvd store or something like that and uh couldn't find enough about it to know uh, when it went under but definitely do not think it's in the world anymore
1: I guess we should wind things down, but I guess the the other thing that's kind of spurred me thinking about this was the uh, few articles about the rise of VHS collecting. I I, I don't know if anyone else... Has followed this at all, but but there there are some you know video game, first video games. I think now VHS have kind of joined the absurdly overpriced collector's market. Like uh, if you if you have an original sealed uh, copy of Super Mario Brothers in your house, please uh, you know pay, pay for my kids' college with it. Um, but um, <laughs> but it is you know I wonder if if you know I I on the one hand, of course, it's another. Overpriced collectors. The the whole collectible market is a little uh, absurd, and I kind of like you know these objects getting their respect. That they're kind of viewed as as not just the junk and thrift store fodder. uh, That they're actually you know there's pieces of history, and and I I do. I'm I'm happy to see that happen.
3: Uh, I don't know how much I can be happy about a reviewer somebody who is looking for a, a sealed copy of a, a movie <laughs> that came out in the eighties. Like the the VHS itself would have come out in the 80s. It's an it's an artifact representing a movie that was never watched and probably never will be watched because the collector is not going to want to break the plastic on it and that that just kind of seems <laughs> also sad why would you it
2: looks like it's gonna look like crap <laughs> <laughs> it's,
3: it's gonna be crappy quality and uh it's uh, not a, a great movie to begin with oh, man. but yeah it just you know i'm i'm into movies for the experience of watching movies and mm-hmm. uh thinking about movies and talking about movies with people so i i can only feel sad about something that it, you know it never it never um it never fulfilled its purpose. Uh, the latest Pixar movie is just going to be a bunch of VHS tapes still in their wrapping, and mm-hmm. uh, them them dealing with their mortality and their sadness about it.
1: I kind of do like them as objects, though. So, like I, I just hooked up. I was I found a unused or, or you know a packed away in the garage at my mom's house a still functioning VCR, and I I I, I did buy. For a particular reason, I bought a I bought Blood Simple on VHS. Uh, anyone, Scott, I remember Scott, that
2: D- I remember that box very well.
1: What do you remember? Here's the thing: the actual Blood Simple still looks weird to me because VHS is where I first saw it, and VHS does not have same old song played repeatedly in, in the bar It has uh, "I'm a Believer." Uh, i think performed by Neil Diamond uh, and and so the first time i saw the actual version it was they used that song because they didn't have the rights for for uh um, a same old song in for the for home video so they had to sub in you know something else they could afford and the first time i saw blood simple in the theater when it was re released is like wait what's what's going on <laughs> i felt very confused and it is and um I was unable to ever track down a YouTube clip of the act- of, of the, the that version, so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy this videotape so I can revisit that myself. And so now I have that, and I can kind of see, like, you know, here's the thing: I can kind of see picking up a few more just as as objects to put on the shelf. Like I'm on eBay right now to send you a link to this, and I, I actually would love this beat up old VHS copy of Halloween with uh, with a uh, you know original stickers on it from whatever store it was. in. on the other hand, I'm not going to pay two hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> for it do you
2: does this, this vcr Keith? does it have like the little things that you that you that you kind of you have to like put them tuck them into like a screw on the back of your tv and then screw it in to like no this? it's
1: a it's a newer one so it has the rca cables okay that's but nice. yeah the coax cables no it does not does not, not go, <laughs> does not have coax cables yeah well you know this has gone on for a while as so we should probably uh hit stop and rewind for the next uh <laughs> well, so we can I'm, go I'm down this, lane for a I'm long time. this podcast time.
3: completely unrewound and uh somebody else can handle the rewinding.
1: Yeah, but this is fun. Uh well, you know, in the meantime, mix you know, if you, you return your tape sometime. If you, if you don't, uh, pay their pay the overdue fee. Uh, and, and we'll meet you at the video store or whatever. No, we won't uh, actually we won't unfortunately the video store in the
2: sky at some point when we all uh, perish
1: we will all meet you in the video store that's a grim way to end this but anyway thanks for listening and we will be back with more soon